Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Genesis. Well, hello there, faithful listeners. Happy Monday morning. And thank you so much for tuning in this morning to the P40 Ministries podcast. This, of course, is your host, Jen, here. And we are in a brand new chapter of the Bible. We are going to be discussing Genesis chapter 44, verses 1 through 17. So let's turn there this morning and discuss those verses. And uh, I will be reading out the WEB version as I always do. But if you prefer a different version of the Bible, please go ahead and read that version. Uh, Recently, I'm not going to say grab your cup of coffee, though probably most of you do drink coffee, but I have been drinking tea recently, which is much less satisfying to me than coffee. But uh, I've been trying to get more on the tea habit because for some reason I think I just need to take a break from coffee. And so I'm taking a break from coffee and uh, trying out tea for a little bit. So grab your cup of tea, though it is not as good as coffee. Sorry, tea lovers. (laughs) And let's go ahead and uh, read this portion of scripture. He, or Joseph, commanded the steward of his house, saying, fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in his sack's mouth. Put my cup, the silver cup, in the sack's mouth of the youngest, with his grain money. He did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. As soon as the morning was light, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. When they had gone out of the city and were not yet far off, Joseph said to his steward, Up, follow after the men. When you overtake them, ask them, Why have you rewarded evil for good? Isn't this that from which my Lord drinks, and by which he indeed divines? You have done evil in so doing. He overtook them, and he spoke these words to them. They said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants that they would do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in our sacks' mouths we brought again to you out of the land of Canaan. How then should we steal silver or gold out of your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die, and we will also be my Lord's slaves. He said, Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found will be your slave, and you will be blameless. Then they hurried, and each man took his sack down to the ground, and each man opened up his sack. He searched, beginning with the oldest and ending at the youngest. The cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, and he was still there. They fell on the ground before him. Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? Don't you know that such a man as I can indeed do divination? Judah said, What will we tell my Lord? What will we speak? How will we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and he also, in whose hand the cup is found. He said, Far be it from me that I should do so. The man in whose hand the cup is found, he will be my slave. But as for you, go up in peace to your father. That was really a mouthful for me. 
<laughs> there was a lot of old English in that one. Sometimes there, the WEB version is great and I feel like it reads pretty smoothly. But that one, I felt like there was just words strewn in weird places. <laughs> I was having a hard time reading that. But basically, this chapter is talking more about Joseph testing his brothers. We know that from the last couple chapters that we've been talking about, that Joseph has been testing his brothers to see where their hearts are. And he's doing this because he wants to have a relationship with his brothers again. But if they're still the same kind of cruel and arrogant and horrible people that they were before, why would you want to have a relationship with them? So Joseph is testing his brothers to see where their hearts are. And he's going through all these different tests to see how they're going to treat Benjamin. And he's making himself like a stranger to his brothers. So he knows that his brothers are his brothers, but his brothers aren't aware that Joseph is Joseph. They just think that he's basically a powerful Egyptian official. And he continues to pretend like he is an Egyptian official. He is speaking to them in Egyptian because he understands Egyptian. He's been living there for the past 20 years and uh, he has an interpreter there. And also he is pretending like he does divination, which was something that the Egyptians did. One reason we know that just from Joseph's story was when Pharaoh had brought in all these different um, people who did divination and these magicians and these fortune tellers and stuff to try to tell Pharaoh about the dream, but they couldn't do it because all of that stuff doesn't exist. But those men couldn't do it because they didn't have the spirit of God because that dream that God gave Pharaoh came from God. And so Joseph was the only one who was able to interpret it because Joseph was the only one there who had the spirit of God. So we know from that passage alone that Egyptians were big on divination and fortune telling and magicians and stuff like that. So Joseph is pretending like he is an Egyptian by saying, I do divination and with this silver cup that you guys stole from me, I do divination with this cup. So you guys better not cross me, basically. So in verse one, it says that Joseph commanded his butler or his steward of his house to fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, but also put the men's money back into their sacks like he had done last time. He's doing the same thing. And I still think even after this, I still believe that Joseph is doing this as a way to protect his family because even when the steward chases after the brothers i'm sure they saw the money but they didn't say anything about it they were only concerned about the cup so he he's still doing this to protect his family and to protect his father and everything like that he fills the sacks with as much grain as they can carry but also with the the brothers monies he commands his steward to chase after his brothers after they had gone a little bit out of the city. So they're still pretty close. They're probably only maybe an hour away of travel, maybe less than that. Who knows? However long it would take to get out of a city during that time period with donkeys or camels or whatever they had. Uh, it says they had donkeys actually in verse three, <laughs> just to throw that out there. So anyway, Joseph's steward chases after them. Now, Joseph himself did not chase after him. He didn't have to. But it says that the steward overtook them and was basically like, why are you doing this? Why would you repay kindness for evil? You know, my master, 
was kind to you. He gave you food. He was generous. He gave you all of these supplies to get back to your father. And now you have stolen his cup, his silver cup that he drinks out of and that he does divination with. This is a very special cup to my master. So why would you do this is basically what this steward is asking these brothers. And the brothers are like, no, we didn't do this. This is insane. We would never do this. See, we returned the money that we had gotten last time that was inside of our sacks. We returned that. So why would we steal from you? If we were were those kind of men that stole from people, we wouldn't have returned that money that we found. We don't steal. And they're so confident. The brothers are so confident with what they're saying. They say, if there is a silver cup in our bags, then that man can be killed that's among us. And they say also, and the rest of us will be taken as slaves. So they are super confident that this cup, this silver cup is not in their bags. And so they take their bags of grain off of their donkeys and set them on the ground so that the steward and the men that were with the steward can go through all of the different bags of grain, the, the 11 bags of grain. The steward says, okay, if we find the cup... We won't kill him, but we are going to make that person our master's slave. So that person is going to be charged of a great evil, a great sin, and he will become a slave to my master, is what the steward says. I want to point out that even though the brothers were super confident and said, let that person be killed, I think Joseph wanted to make it clear, or Joseph Steward wanted to make it clear, like, no, it's going to be slavery, not being killed. That's a very important thing to mention because obviously the cup was hidden in Benjamin's sack. And why was that important? Well, because Benjamin was the favorite son of Jacob. And my question is, now that I'm thinking about this, how did Joseph know that Benjamin was the favorite son? He probably had an inkling because firstly, Benjamin wasn't there the first time the brothers had gone. Secondly, he probably knew his father well enough to know that he would play favorites again. Thirdly, he knew that his mother, Rachel, was Jacob's favorite wife. So obviously he was going to favor the sons of Rachel rather than the sons of Leah, his other wife. So Joseph probably had a pretty good inkling that Benjamin was the favored son, which is why he hides the silver cup in Benjamin's sack to see how the brothers are going to respond to see if the brothers are going to be like, yes, we want Benjamin to be a slave because that's what they did last time someone was favored by their father. They were totally okay with Joseph being sold into slavery. They didn't care. They wanted him gone. Benjamin, if he was going to be a slave, how would the brothers react? Would they be excited about this or would they not be excited? So Joseph is testing them. He wants to see how they're going to react to Benjamin becoming a slave, not dying, but becoming a slave. So the steward is looking through all these different uh, bags and it says that he searched beginning with the oldest brother and ending at the youngest brother. So he purposely did that. He's creating all this tension and stuff, going down the line to see who has, you know, the silver cup. And of course, he knows it's in Benjamin's bag already. And so it says that when the brothers saw the silver cup coming out of Benjamin's bag, they all tore their clothes at the same time. They're like, what? And they tear their clothes. And if this was me being one of the brothers and seeing my youngest brother 
I'd have been like, you idiot, what have you done? (laughs) I cannot imagine the brothers were very happy. They were probably infuriated. And you can see how sorrowful they are. You know, tearing the clothes at this period of time was an, an expression of complete and utter sorrow, as if somebody had just died. This is how upset they are that that cup was found in Benjamin's bag. I don't even know if they believe if Benjamin took it or not. Maybe maybe there's part of them that's just like, well, if any of us was going to take it, it would have been Benjamin because he's spoiled. I don't know. But one way or the other, they're still upset about it. Now, that being said, of course, that was just my own opinion. They were confident that none of the brothers had taken it. But um, they're still upset that Benjamin was found with the cup. They tear their clothes. They are so upset. And it says that each man loaded up his donkey and returned to the city. What a change. You know, that steward could have gone along with it and just taken Benjamin and the brothers could have gone away. What a change. These brothers know that Benjamin is the favored child, but they are willing now to protect Benjamin from this life of slavery rather than go through probably 20 years of misery that they had gone through with Joseph and the the mistakes that they had made with Joseph. So they are going back to the city to protect Benjamin, every single brother at this point. That jealousy that they were feeling 20 years ago towards their brother is just gone. It's gone. What a complete change. These brothers, after 20 years of making such a stupid mistake, are completely 100% humbled. Their hearts have been fully flipped around like they have done a complete 180 here they are just completely changed individuals and so uh sorry if you hear cars every once in a while i have my windows open but um so they go back to the city with their brother benjamin and it says that judah takes the lead again we had talked about judah in the last chapter where Judah had promised to give his life to protect Benjamin. So Judah takes charge. It says that in verse 14, Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house while he was still there. So he hadn't left yet for his morning work. So he was still there. And it says that the brothers all fell on the ground before Joseph. They fell on the ground, not knowing that Joseph was their brother. And this would have been an expression of, please forgive us. We need your mercy kind of thing. They fall on the ground. And Joseph says to them, his brother is all lying on the ground. He's like, what deed is this that you've done? And that's the old fashioned way of saying, you know, what have you done? Why did you take that cup? And he says, don't you know that I can do divination? So he's trying to scare them a little bit and still uh, put on this facade of being an Egyptian official, which he is one, but he's not Egyptian. He, he follows, of course, the Hebrew God. And he says, don't you, don't you guys know that I can do divination so I can strike you guys down or something like that? He's just trying to scare them. But Judah pipes up and he says, what can we tell you? And he is so humbled at this point. Judah has gone through a complete life change. And you know, he was the one that had originally sold Joseph into slavery. So it's fascinating that he is the one that has the most change. He's willing to offer himself to protect his youngest brother. Whereas before 20 years prior, he wanted his younger brother gone for the same reason. And so Judah says to Joseph, he says, what can I tell you? What can I even speak? 
I can't clear myself of this sin. And he says, God has found out the iniquity of your servants. What a weird thing to say, you know, because they hadn't done anything wrong at that point. So why does Judah say this? God has found out the iniquity of your servants because he still has that guilt on his mind about selling Joseph into slavery. He thinks it's all coming back around to him. So he says, God has found out my iniquity. And he says, we are your slaves, both we and the person who was found with the cup. He says, we will all become your slaves, is what he says. And so he was so changed that he was willing to become a slave for what his brother had done and even say that all of his other brothers would become slaves. This is what that means. You know, God has found out our iniquity. This is coming all back around to us. We are all now going to be slaves in Egypt just as we sold our brother into slavery 20 years ago. Imagine living with that amount of guilt for that long. Just think about that. Judah had to have been eaten up inside after 20 years of this. Of course, that, you know, with somebody with that much guilt, your heart is going to be changed. So Judah claims to Joseph, we will all become your slaves, basically. And so Joseph says to them, he's, he's like, no, no, you don't have to do that. It's only going to be the one who was found with the cup. So that kid over there, that little young one, he is going to become my slave, but you guys all can go. You didn't do anything wrong. Go back to your father. And we'll talk more about this on Wednesday, and we'll probably finish up the chapter at that point. So join me then at 6 a.m. But friends, also my shop, P40 Ministries, was uh, promoted on Joyful Life Magazine, which is super exciting because I really like the Joyful Life Magazine. It's uh, super cute. And uh, I'm, I'm honored to be in their Mother's Day gift guide, my little shop. So definitely take a look at that. I will drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode. Take a look at the vendors that uh, Joyful Life is promoting right now and buy something nice for your mom. There are so many cute gifts on there, not even from my own shop, but I was looking around at some of the other things that uh, they're offering this year and I was like, wow, some of these are really cute. I might have to get some. So definitely take a look at that. I'm very excited to be a part of that for Mother's Day. And like I said, I will drop a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode so you can easily navigate over there. But friends, I want to ask that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless. Bless.